Hi, I'm Grant Dufresne, and welcome to Dufresne Ministries podcast channel. We believe that as you listen to this message, your faith will be stirred and you will be encouraged in whatever you are believing God for today. Stay tuned at the end of this message to find out more information about our ministry. I'm so excited to get to be here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So hallelujah. I had been working on a message that I said to myself, self, this doesn't make any sense. But you know, sometimes the Bible doesn't make any sense. Me marrying Richard Roberts didn't make a lick of sense. Come on, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. If ever opposites attracted, if you could get any more polar opposite than Richard and me, I don't think it's possible. And yet, God does things that we don't expect. And yet, if we expect a miracle, God gets to be God. So the title of my message today is, If Camels Can Walk and Donkeys Could Talk and Women Would Cry and Trees Would Die, We Could All Walk on Water. Yes, Resurrection Sunday, (laughs) today. And this is my tweaked message to go for Resurrection Sunday. If camels could walk and donkeys could talk and women would cry and trees would die, we all can walk on water. Because everything I just talked about was miraculous. And today is a day of thinking of the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Because if we think about it, the one separation that we have from every other thing and religion and this and that is the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. And the Bible very clearly says the same spirit, ruach, wind of God, power of God, the life-giving breath of God that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Now, I first read that and thought it was wrong. Not that the Bible was wrong, but that maybe I was interpreting the translation of it wrong. Because the same power, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost that raised Christ from the dead is supposed to live in me, and I didn't get it. And then it said to quicken, make alive, bring alive, and to resurrect the dead things in my life. As the same spirit raised Christ from the physical death of death, hell, and the grave. And when you think about that, when you think that it raised Christ from the dead, keep in mind one thing. Satan put Jesus on the cross. Actually, religious leaders did who were acting like the devil. But the truth of the matter is, Satan put Jesus on the cross. So when Satan put Jesus on the cross, it was every force of the power of hell itself coming to hold Jesus into the grave. And the Spirit raised him out of the grave. And that same Spirit that fought the forces of hell itself to pull Jesus out of the grave is the same spiritual power that dwells in us to make alive everything that Satan is trying to kill you with. You know, I figured in life, the worst dead you can be is that when you're dead, but still walking around. When your finances have died, when when your family may have died, when your dreams may have died, when something inside you may have died, in my case, when babies died, when those things happen, but you're still walking around. You know, they call the zombies the walking dead, and then when people go through that, you're like a zombie. Well, yeah, that's true, because you're like you're dead, but your brain hasn't gotten the message yet. And so you still can think, and you still can hurt, and you still can feel, and you still can feel that horrific experience of whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you don't want to wake up when you cry, God, let me die, and your next prayer is don't let me die, and you don't know what to do, and you remember all the forces of hell itself that did everything hell could do to keep Jesus in the grave 
those forces were so unsuccessful that God said, ha, ha, ha. Now the same spirit that pulled Jesus out of the grave is alive to pull you out of whatever death situation Satan is coming against you with. Ha, ha, ha. So y'all remember the last time I was here and I told you about the story of how rough it was to try and get to preach when I was heading to another city and then our tire blew out and all that and the, and the mess that it took me, how many hours and all of that. So I topped it. <laughs> so I, it, it's always when I get asked to preach. <laughs> so... I was supposed to go to St. Louis, and I had preached there before, and the story that I kind of don't remember because of what had happened, apparently the pastor's wife pulled open a door and whacked me in the head <laughs> and kind of knocked me out, kind of, and kind of, she said I had to get stitches, and I don't remember anything except a big gash on the head, and I had to go home. So that was the trip I was going to this time. And it only took me 150 years to go back. And the, the family's darling. The church is wonderful. So we decided to fly to St. Louis. And so we flew to St. Louis. And it seemed everything was okay. And then all of a sudden, I got this weird feeling to call home. And we found out that all of our flights coming back had been canceled because it was when they uh, put down the 737 MAX and canceled all those flights. So we're trying to look at our time to come back, and every single solitary thing was canceled. And it was a daughter's birthday, and so we thought we'd get real smart, and we would rent a car. So we rented a car, and as soon as we got ready to go get the car, the car we were supposed to get it from was nowhere to be seen. So we went to this last ditch effort place so we could at least get home and there was an ambulance there and they were hauling out the person supposed to sell us the car or lease us the car. And I said, this doesn't look good. So we leased this car and we were supposed to leave after the service and try and go home. That was another disaster. We ended up spending the night. We get up early in the morning and we tried to get we tried to get out of town, so we did, and we get all the way out into the absolute positive middle of nowhere, and the tire blew. <laughs> so I went to the rent-a-car place that had closed like five minutes before, because we finally had to drive and drive and drive on it, on the rim thing, and we get to the where, the t what is it with me in tires? And so we get to where the tire place was, the, the rent-a-car place, and they had closed by five minutes, so I called the 1-800 number, and he said, I can't get you in, and I said, I can get myself in. <laughs> I said, if you promise not to call the police, I'll leave my car here, I'll leave the keys here, I'll leave the dead tire here, I'll pick up another car, just don't send the police after me. In the meantime, the whole time, Richard's going like this, oh dear Jesus, oh dear Jesus. So we finally found, and I won't even tell you the story of how we ended up at Walmart, and we got to Walmart, and everything went south, and the tire that they thought they had, they didn't have, and now I'm standing out in the middle of the Walmart park parking lot, crying like a two-year-old, and... <coughs> And a man comes up to me and he said, lady, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. And his wife said, I know that voice anywhere. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. She recognized my voice. I am sobbing my guts out in a pair of flip-flops and in a pair of pants that I'd probably had on for a long, long time, crying, no food, mad hungry, thinking about how I can break into the rental car place. And everything was going downhill from there. So they told us they had the tire, but then it turned out the tire place was closed, and then they couldn't find the guy. And so the man that was helping me when his wife recognized me said, I'll break in for you, so this time, if anybody gets caught, it'll be me and not you. My husband is sitting here going, now she's got a conspiracy going with her. And I wasn't really maybe going to do it, but... So we finally get there, and we get the tire, and we get it all, and wasn't it like 15 hours later we get home? So when all that was said and done, I said, okay, the trip to Pastor Nancy's is going to be so much better. <laughs> One tornado, two 70-mile-an-hour winds, hail the size of softballs, the complete day totally and completely, the, all the flights were gone. Second day, flights were all canceled. Third day, it was delayed, and I got on that plane, and I said, I'm going to fly it myself if this plane doesn't take off. And here we are. Praise the Lord. <laughs> The same spirit 
that raised Christ from the dead does not want you to hear a word from God about preaching the word of God, to understand and recognize that the same spirit that literally pulled death out of Jesus from the grave itself that caused him to get up, the grave clothes to fall off, and him to say, here I am, doesn't want you to know that that spirit is available today. He said, because I live, you shall live also. But if you really take that word seriously and realize that there is resurrection power in the breath of God, the life of God, the word of God, the Ruach wind of God, the very spirit of God that he created the world with and then he pulled Jesus up out of the grave with comes now on this day to dwell in us to make alive with the same power that did all that can do it again the problem is if you don't know it it won't work for you and Satan works diligently morning noon and night seeking whom he may devour and seeking whom he may keep hidden from it. The word of God is so powerful that nations don't want it in. Why is it the Bible is the one thing they pick at? How is it that the opposition knows the power more than we do sometimes? How is it that the people who are trying to keep the Bible out of countries know so much about the Bible that they don't want it in because they know what it'll do? And yet we Christians who have it sitting in front of us from Genesis to Revelation sometimes don't realize we've got it. If camels could walk and donkeys could talk and women would cry and trees would die, we all can walk on water. Turn in your Bibles to the book of First Kings, chapter 10. I use my phone as my Bible, so hold on and let me find it in here. First Kings, chapter 10. And it says this. The Queen of Sheba visits Solomon. It says, when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship with the Lord, stop right there. When the Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon and his relationship with the Lord... People, whether you know it or not, whether you know them or not, whether you're aware of it or not, are watching your relationship with the Lord. And it said, she came to test Solomon with hard questions, arriving at Jerusalem, listen to this, with a very great caravan. Say a very great caravan. May I ask you the last time, a very great caravan caravan showed up at your doorstep holding camels, carrying spices, large quantity of gold, precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions and nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and all the palace that he had built and the food at his table and the seating of his officials and the attending servants in their, in their robes and the cupbearers and the burnt offerings that he made at the temple of the Lord, one trans- this says she was overwhelmed. One translation says she fainted. When is the last time somebody came to your house and was so overtaken by the blessing that God had given, so much so they fainted. And when they came, they, pot, they brought very great amounts of a caravan full of gold and silver and riches and this and that. And here's the kick. Satan didn't ask her to come. When Satan did his job worshiping God, the camels started walking. He didn't call for him. He didn't ask for him. He didn't email or instant message Sheba and say, hey, come bring me something. When Satan knows what God has in you, he wants to hide you so that your message doesn't get out. Because when your message gets out and you become contagious, people will come to you. And when they come to you, like Sheba, they will be amazed at how God is using you and they'll want to know it. And the camels will start coming to you whether you ask for it or not. It's a part of the system of God. 
God wants to bless you and make you a blessing. He had to bless Solomon with wisdom for Sheba to want to know about it. He had to bless Solomon with riches for Sheba to want to know about it. He had to bless Solomon with the inspiration of the Lord so that Sheba would want to know about it. And when he did, she came coming to him and asking questions. Turn to your Bible in Isaiah 6. And Isaiah 6 is very interesting because I love this part. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And everybody loves that. Isaiah 60. I said 6. It's Isaiah 60. But listen to how this translates, because this is the coolest part. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen around you, and all of that. Right? I love that. And it says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness cover the people. If we are not a generation of gross darkness covering people, I'm telling you what, I'd hate to see when it gets darker and darker. This may not be the total end time, but it is the beginning of the end because it's going to get darker and darker. And it says, for behold, the darkness covers the earth and gross darkness covers the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen on thee. Hello, Solomon, all over again. His glory, his glory, his Ruach wind of God, the same spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same word rises on thee. And it says, and the Gentiles, the unsaved shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. They'll come to you. And it says the multitudes of, here we go again, camels shall cover thee. They'll come from Sheba and they'll bring gold and incense and they'll show forth the praises of the Lord. When you do what God has told you to do and you have a revelation above all other types of revelation that Jesus has been raised from the dead and the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in us to make alive our situations financially, physically, emotionally in our family. When you actually become those kind of Christians that people talk about, You'll also be that kind of Christian that people want to know what's going on. And when we stand above the backbiting, backstabbing, bickering, griping, whining, complaining Christians that, oh, my God, instead of, oh, my God, instead of praising the Lord, we're complaining. And our entire vocabulary starts with whining. It's the middle part's griping and the end of it's complaining. And instead, when we rise above it all and we let the glory of God shine and we're healed and we're whole and we're prospering. Listen, when you prospering, prosper, they may hate your guts, but they're sure going to pay attention. Why is it that these quote prosperity preachers, listen, I don't know how many preachers are in the world. I'm guessing thousands and thousands and thousands, but you get a prosperity preacher and they end up on the news. Why? Because people are curious how it works. They may hate your guts for it, but they're listening. And the camels started walking. If camels could walk, how do you get a camel to walk towards you? Solomon didn't do anything. Isaiah 60, nothing was done. The key to it all was when you glorify God, when you praise God, when you live out the essence of the Bible, when you do what God calls you to do, when you walk in the glory of the Lord, people will figure it out and they'll come to you and God will say... Get that camel moving. And when it happens, the more you receive, the more blessed you are. You're blessed to be a blessing. They'll come a-looking. If camels could walk and donkeys could talk. Have you ever looked at chapter 11? This was part of my message last week because last week was Palm Sunday. (coughs) Excuse me. They wave palm branches. They are singing Hosanna, which is, you know, basically glory to God in the highest. Redeem us, it means. And all of a sudden, Jesus makes the oddest statement. Go over into the city right there and get me a donkey. Now, see, the Roman government thought that Jesus was coming as a king to overthrow the Roman government. Oh, that's too small thinking for Jesus. He was coming to overthrow Satan's government. Roman government, that small time to him. He was not interested. They thought he was coming on a, on a horse because when a, when a king rides in on a horse, that's to overthrow the previous government. No, no, he came in on a donkey to show his humility and to show that I'm not coming to overthrow Rome. I'm coming to obey 500-year-old prophecy that I'm going to come in and I'm going to overthrow Satan's kingdom. 
So he comes in and he says, when you go over there, find a donkey over there. When you see the donkey, tell the owner, loose him and let him come to me, untie him. For the Lord hath need of him. There is a scientific marvel that has never been figured out, but the kind of donkey Jesus rode on, and I wish I had my picture, I usually do. But if you look and Google it, you'll find a picture of a donkey that has a cross on his back. Jesus picked a donkey to foreshadow what's coming on the cross. And the interesting thing was this donkey was untrained, had never been ridden, it was unprepared, it was the least likely, the most unusual the one that nobody had ever picked before. Nobody ever seemed to want before. Mama was right there and everybody expected Mama to be the one. Everybody expected David's brothers to be the one. Everybody expected this and everybody expected that. And Jesus said, surprise, surprise, surprise. He picked the one that nobody expected. And everybody panicked. Why? What does a donkey do? Go kicking and screaming. This is the ride of Jesus' life when they're going to wave palm branches and open up the city of Jerusalem and say, now it's not going to be the priest that rolls back your sin for a year with a, 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 a lamb that has no blemish that's going to be slain. Instead, this is the king of kings and lord of lords going to ride in to be slain from the foundation of the earth for all of eternity, not to roll back your sins for a year, but to defeat death, hell, and the grave so that your sins no longer exist in his eyes when you say repent it is the remission the removal of sin so why would you pick the wrong donkey the one who could throw you out throw you off and wreck the whole parade but when we let Jesus sit on our inexperience when we let Jesus sit on our rebellion when we let Jesus sit on our lack of finances, when we let Jesus sit on our all the excuses we can come up with, Jesus can sit on us and take us for the ride of our life as long as we allow the Savior to do it the way he chooses. He said, loose him. You know why he had to loose him? He was all tied up. Friends, the reason Jesus went to the cross is to loose us from the junk we're all tied up in so that Satan cannot have us bound. But when we become loose, we can pick up the Savior and say, come along for the ride. And the two of us together can have the ride of our lives to usher in whatever it is that God wants us to be ushered in for. If camels could walk and donkeys could talk, if you were that donkey, what would you say? Oh, my God. What are you thinking? God, this is not going to end well. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no resources. I'm the little guy. I'm inexperienced. Everybody's expecting my mother to be the one to take the ride, and my mother's going to be watching me, and boy, am I going to get it. And yet he said, let's just do what he says. And so the donkey, not having any excuses and really not having enough sense to have excuses, said, okay, and he went along for the ride. If we will just say okay and go along for the ride, like the donkey, we'll have something to talk about. If camels could walk and donkeys could talk. Now go to Matthew 9. And look at the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says when she went to Jesus and she was healed, she told him all the truth. It says she cried unto him. She could have cried and said, this stinks. Women have to have all the dirty work. Women never get recognized. Women have to do this. Women have to bow. I am so full of hearing about what women cannot do. My Bible says in Christ, there's no male or female. There's no guilt and condemnation. There's no Jew, no bond, no Greek, all of this stuff. But when we choose something that is contrary to the word of God, we can either believe the lie, we can facilitate the lie, we can start lying the lie, we can get in rebellion and fight about the lie, or we can just zip our lip and do what the Lord says. Because the Bible says your gift will make room for you and put you before great men. And that means mankind. 
I don't have to go knock on doors and say, I'm a female and I want to do this and I want to do that. What I basically have to do is do what I'm called to do. And when I do what I'm called to do, Jesus will stop in his tracks even when everybody else around the Bible says was thronging him. He stopped and he said, who touched me? And the disciples freaked out and said, everybody, are you kidding me? Look around. And he said, no, no. This was a different touch. I felt virtue go out of my body. I read it once where it said, I felt the healing power of God being magnetized out of my body and into somebody else. You see, what she did is she magnetized the power of God, the ruach of God, the wind of God, the presence of God, the healing virtue of God, the life-giving presence of God. She didn't care what anybody said. She didn't care. She had to crawl. I think she had to crawl on the ground because she touched the border of his garment. She didn't care that there was too many people. She didn't care that she was sick. She didn't care that she was female. She didn't care. I told you before about a book I read to my kids called Too Beady, Too Bumpy, Too Leafy, Too Lumpy. It's a bunch of excuses. And she didn't care that everybody thought it was too beady, too bumpy, too leafy, too lumpy. She said, if I have to crawl to the hem of his garment, forget all these people around me he's gonna see me and I'm gonna get what I came for I will never ever ever advocate breaking in to the rental car place <laughs> didn't do it only said I thought about it do not do as I do do as I say I will not advocate trying to go to a tire place and let another man break in for me I'm not advocating that but I am advocating being persistent. Yeah, yeah. The time had to come when it was my daughter's birthday and I was going to find a way home. And I began to pray in tongues and I began to cry out to God. And God sent me a total stranger and I wasn't a stranger to him. And his wife recognized my voice saying, I don't know, I'm not. And that's what she recognized. <laughs> There's something really wrong with that picture. <laughs> I'm going to assess it later. <laughs> But what happened was I had to magnetize the power of God. I did not need to do the dirty work that I felt like I was needing to do. When I got a hold of my senses, I began to pray. And when I began to pray, this one showed up and that one showed up. And suddenly the tire place opened up and the guy with the tire said, I can fix that. And the guy that wasn't supposed to have a tire did. And when we get to the place where the only thing we see is not the crowd, it's not the excuses, it's not the fear, it's not the pain, it's not the torment, it's not the worry, it's not the people yelling at you. The only thing you see is the hem of his garment, and I'm going to find myself there, and he's going to notice me. And when you do that with your faith, you magnetize the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Look at Peter. The Bible says when Peter's shadow passed. Listen, it wasn't because he was standing in the middle of the, of the perfect tree at noon going, and then everybody ran up to him. It's the overshadowing, and it's the exact same word that Mary was overshadowed with the Holy Spirit when they talked to her about the Christ child. It's the overshadowing, which means the glory of God. The glory of God is the power of God. It's the essence of God. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So when we talk about if donkeys could talk and if camels could walk and if women would cry and last of all, if trees would die, Jesus spoke to a fig tree, but he didn't speak first. Jesus held his tongue until the fig tree shut up. The fig tree was showing off. I'm not going to give you fruit. And the reason we know that is because, first of all, Jesus said that it was not. One translation says it wasn't the time of fruit that come. But the way they say it is there was fruit. There was, there was leaves on the tree. And it was the right way for the fruit to have been formed. And when Jesus got there, it wasn't. So it's like he was tricking Jesus. But the first part of that scripture says Jesus answered the tree. Oh, right. You want me to serve a savior that answers a tree? Absolutely, because the tree was talking in rebellion. The tree was talking, as we say, smack to Jesus. I don't know what that means, but I heard it the other day, so I thought I'd tell you. The tree was back talking. The tree was acting rebellious. The tree was, and, and you know what? We think we have to use words. We were talking earlier in the, in, in the back room there. I never had to use words to my children. They called it the look. And the look meant I would drop my head down. And my eyeballs went up. And when you got the look, see, I didn't, and, and I told Nancy, I didn't have to spank my kids. I had a different theory. 
maybe not the best in the world, but I would remove things from their bedroom, like their bed, like their mattress, like all their clothes. I'm not kidding. Listen, I'm not against, I, I didn't spank. If you do that, that's all that stuff's your business. But I thought I'm going to think of things with a, a lot more long lasting effect. Three days in that same outfit and those kids are going to repent. <laughs> and then the big punishment, you had to clean your sister's closet. There was so much repenting and so much good behavior and so much forgiveness because if you don't, you're going to have to clean your sister's, not your closet. Oh, no, puppy. You're going to have to clean your sister's closet. And then I got the brilliant idea to put my children's wrists and time together. I hope today it's not child abuse. I'm not telling you to do it. But I figured this. When you put your two children's arms together and they have to go side by side, they're going to have to learn to walk together. They're going to have to learn to do things together. They're going to have to learn to use the restroom together. About three minutes into that, they were healed. Sometimes God gives us a way that is more unconventional than we know of. And when that woman crawled to the hem of his garment, she got healed. And when Jesus walked to a tree, he said, never again. You're not going to talk this way to me. Never again. And he cursed the tree where? At the root. Because the life is in the root. I could have, you know, spanked the kids for 10 minutes and by 30 minutes later they had forgotten it. Or I take away their mattress, their bed, their clothes and everything in the room. And suddenly they're going to think about that for like, I don't know, 27 years or something like that. So God will give you the way you're supposed to handle it. And Jesus gave us a way not to chop down the tree, not to do this or to that, but he spoke to the root cause of why the tree was in rebellion. And he said, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to beat rebellion with an ax. I'm going to speak to it and I'm going to curse you and say in the name of Jesus, his name, you're never going to act like this again. And here's the thing that I think everybody needs to look at the tree. It did nothing to obey the voice of God, so it seemed. We can look at everything we do, and it may seem like, you know where they say I'm talking till I'm blue in the face? I never saw anyone talk till their face went blue. I probably have been the first that could have come close, but it says he talked to the tree because he was teaching us something. The tree didn't die, so we think. The tree didn't die in the natural but the split second that Ruach wind of God hit that tree, the tree died at the root. may have taken a little time for it to manifest. Please think of this. When you pray for your healing, when you pray for somebody's salvation, when you pray for your miracle, when you pray for a financial miracle, when you put your seed in the ground, surprisingly, a coffee cup doesn't just pop up and say, here's my coffee beans. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes it takes time to grow. When you put a tomato seed in the ground, tomorrow it's not going to be a full-blown tomato. It's still tomato seed. And it is trying to get there. But when it gets there, it's right. There's seed, time and harvest. Don't get weary in your well-doing because you'll reap in due season if you don't give up. I want to tell you, God did an interesting thing. When he created the world with his mouth, the Ruach wind of God, and the third day he created seed, on the fourth day he created seasons. Why? So that when the seed goes in the ground, the seasons can take care of it. And then what did he create? Man. He had everything in order. He had us in divine order. And he wanted us to know that he was a garden kind of guy. God was a gardener. He put seed in the ground. He put Adam in the garden. He put Jesus in the garden to pray. Jesus was raised from the dead. It was all in a garden, a garden, a garden. Why? Because he told us that as long as the earth remains, there shall be seed time followed by harvest. We have to understand that you can look at a seed packet until you're blue in the face. But what's going to happen? Those seeds are going to be dead and dormant 57,000 years later until you put it in the ground. If you take your seed in stony ground, sorry about it, but you probably wasted it. If you take your seed and leave it in the seed packet, sorry about it, but you wasted your money. But if you will take your seed, whether it's a pat on the back, whether it's the way you pray, whether it's the way you sow your finances, you sow according to what you need. You really sow according to what you like. If you like tomatoes, you sow tomatoes. If you hate pumpkins, you don't sow pumpkins. 
But if you'll sow according to God's word, you'll reap according to God's word. The Bible says that when you sow in famine, friend, I don't know what it is about this. I have no idea. But sowing in famine is something very special to God. He knows that seed becomes a sacrifice. And when we're willing to sow, maybe it's, you know, one of the one things I used to sow when I was young, I had three kids and I was always busy. I sowed babysitting. Why? Because time was precious to me. And I thought it was precious to other moms. So when I would sow out of my time, I would reap more time. I found myself doing things quicker and easier. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's time for us to figure out how God did it. If camels will walk and donkeys will talk and women will cry and trees will die, you and I can walk on water. If God can get a camel to walk without calling the camel, if God can get a tree to die without a hatchet, if God can get a woman to crawl on the ground and believe God for her healing, if God can make this happen and that happen, why can't we believe that just like Peter, we can walk on water? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell, dwells in us to quicken and make alive our mortal body. Jesus went down the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to Golgotha, the place of the skull. Jesus did it so you and I don't have to. The whole point is, oh, Jesus, when you're going to, he is not going to. When he comes back, he's going to split the sky, coming on a white horse, and he's going to take the bride of Christ to go to live with him eternally. He's not going back to walk the cross. He's not going back to carry the cross. He's not going back to take 39 stripes on his back. I don't care how much we whine, we gripe, we complain, and we beg. He is not going to go do it because he said when it was finished, it was finished. And if you don't appropriate it, it's not God's fault. If you don't appropriate it, it's because you didn't appropriate it. All the seeds were planted. All the business was done. Jesus said it's finished. He went to hell for three days. Why? Because he was the world's greatest baggage handler. I watched as they drop kicked one of my bags once. And I thought, you get money to do that. And I pay money for you to get money to do that. But Jesus was the world's greatest baggage handler. He put all of our sin, all of our sorrow, all of our sickness, all of our disease, all of our grief, and he carried it in the baggage of the earth, and he dropped it into the baggage compartment of hell, and he told it to stay there. Why three days? Because it took a long time to dump the junk that we have accumulated and that we have put on him and that we would be going through and that we already went through and all the junk and garbage and stuff that we carry. If you don't believe it, pick up my purse. I can put more junk, unnecessary junk in a purse and I don't carry it. <laughs> And he says, why do you carry such a heavy bag? Because I don't have to carry it. You do. So I can continue to stuff it with all that unnecessary stuff. And Jesus had to take our unnecessary baggage and he had to dump it in hell for three long days, dumping out this bag full of sin and this bag full of sickness and this just accumulation of who knows what. And wrong thinking and wrong believing and poor self-image. And I coulda, shoulda, woulda. And all my regrets and all my financial stupidity and all of this and all of that. And he dumped it into heaven. And then God said, nice job. And then he went, come back up. And when he said it, with the Ruach wind of God in his mouth, Jesus had no choice but to come up from the grave. And when he did, I tell you what. Heaven and earth will never be the same. And if you will take that and appropriate it, you and I will never be the same. When you walk around with sickness and you walk around with fear and you walk around with poverty, I hate to say this to you, but I'm going to say it nicely. You are a thief and a liar. Because you're stealing the devil's property. We walk around saying, the devil took my this and the devil took my that. The devil's a thief. The devil's a liar. Yes, he is. And you're acting just like him. Because when you take what's rightfully the devil's and you say, oh, my sickness, oh, my cancer.
what rightfully belongs to the devil. And then out of your mouth, when you say, I'll always be sick, you're a liar because God's word says by the stripes that wounded Jesus, you're healed and made completely whole. So it's time to repent and say, devil, you be the thief and a liar. And I'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the fields, blessed in the baskets. I'm going to sow my seed. And when you say, I don't have seed to give, liar, liar, pants on fire. Oh, God doesn't want us to prosper. Okay, I have such words floating through my head about that one that I refuse to say them out of my mouth. We're just going to stop at thief and liar. God did not call you to be sick. He did not send Jesus to the cross to waste 39 stripes. That was not a cruel joke by our Father God to see Jesus suffer. Jesus willingly laid down his life and took the 39 stripes on his back so that we would be healed and made completely whole. And the very same spirit that God created the earth with, go to John chapter 17, the very same spirit that God created the world with, the very same spirit that brought Jesus in through Mary with an immaculate conception, the very same spirit that pulled Christ out of hell itself, the very same spirit dwells in us. Cursed is the man who hangs on the tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're not living in it, you're wrong. Are you part of that prosperity gospel? Yes, and if I'm not, I'm cheating God out of what Jesus did on the cross. If I'm not living prosperous, I'm living a lie because as a Christian, the Bible says I'm supposed to prosper with the blessing of Abraham. And if you're not, it's not God's fault. So, here we go. John chapter 17 says, and the glory, and it goes on and talks about Jesus talking about the same that God placed in him. He said, all the glory, all the anointing, all the power, all the presence. God, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. I did what you sent me to do. I'm getting ready to walk my way through the cross. And now the glory that you placed on me, I ask you to place on them. I got a Bible with 25 translations because I thought I read it wrong. And I said, this cannot be. How could I have God's glory? The same glory that Jesus carried. That's like sacrilegious. No, it is not. It means the same Ruach, wind of God, power of God, creative life-giving presence of God that was on Jesus now comes on to us. Why? Because when Jesus on the last night of his life said, hitherto or before now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive that your joy may, may be full. And then he said, and when I go to the cross, whatever I did on earth, greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. He could only do them because of the glory. He could only do them because of the anointing. If he's going to instruct us to do it, he's got to give us the vehicle in which to do it by. What is that vehicle? The glory of God. That same power that's in Isaiah 60, the same power that was in Kings when we talked about about camels walking, the same power that hit the woman with the issue of blood, the same power that jerked Jesus up from the grave, that same power on John chapter 17, Jesus transferred to us and he said, I pray for them. And he said, I don't pray for the whole world. May I never be in the area where God says, I'm not including you. But he said, the ones who will believe, take the glory from me and now, Father God, give it to them. Now, if you're a believer, that glory is in you. If it's dormant, that's not God's fault. But if you will take your life as a seed that you sow, all the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead has enough power left over to raise you from the dead situation you're facing. If you're sick, if you're poor, if you're not sowing seed, can't help you. I can direct you to how to sow a seed. But God said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he said, do first, seek first the kingdom of God and his ways of operating in the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is as a seed that must be show, sown in order for it to grow up. We have to sow our life as a seed. We have to sow our faith as a seed. We have to sow finances as a seed. Why? Because he required it, 10%. I didn't write it. I might have written more, I might have written less. I didn't write it at all. But when we sow our prayers, pray ye one for another so that you may be healed. When you make your life a seed you sow, then you activate the Ruach wind of God. And when you activate the Ruach wind of God, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now has a chance to operate in you. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Let's pray. What is it that feels 
dead in your life. Sickness, disease, organs, organs in your body, thoughts in your mind. I don't care what it is. Because, see, the presence of God and the power of God hits it all. So if that's you, stand up. Let's get to prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Father God, in the name of Jesus. Father God, in the name of Jesus. The Ruach wind of God, the power of God, the presence of God. If you need prayer for any situation in your life at all, don't care what it is, stand up right now. Because when it rains, it doesn't rain like half on the right side, half on the left. When you get into the rain, you get wet. So we're going to call on the glory of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the Ruach wind of God, the very same power that raised Christ from the dead to jump all over you. And it starts with you stirring it up. And if you pray in the spirit, begin to pray now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, as we release the Holy Spirit, the Ruach wind of God through the spirit, the power of God through the spirit, we pray right now. Now, if you need prayer for, let's say finances specifically, wave at me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, you never, call, <coughs> you never called your people to lack. But you called us to have the blessing of Abraham, who was the most wealthy man on the planet at the time the Bible was written. You called us to have the wisdom of Solomon, and the wisdom of Solomon created him to have so much riches that when Sheba, the richest woman in the world, saw it, she fainted. Father God, we call forth the riches of heaven into the earth. You put all the gold and silver in the earth. You commanded us to stir it up. You commanded us to take dominion. You commanded us to take control. Lord, we take control of what's rightfully ours. We call it out of the hands of the wicked and into the hands of the righteous. No more are we going to covet what the, witch, what the wicked has. We're going to call in what's rightfully ours from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Hey, camels, I'm talking to you. Start walking. Hey, camels, I'm talking to you. Start walking in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, <clears throat> I call forth the provision of God. I call forth the great caravans of God. I call forth the great provisions of God. I don't call forth a provision. I call forth the great provision. I call forth the gold, the silver, the spices, the clothing, the raiment, everything that we have need of exceedingly abundantly, far above anything we dare ask or think. Now I call forth the donkeys to talk. In the name of Jesus, start talking to your problems. Don't let your problems tell you you're too beady, too bumpy, too leafy, or too lumpy. Begin to say in the name of Jesus, here am I, Lord, send me. In the name of Jesus, my excuses are over. My blessings have come in. Here am I, Lord, send me. If you are like the woman with the issue of blood and you're facing infirmity in your body, talk to it. Tell it to shut up. In the name of Jesus, magnetize the power and the presence of God. Magnetize the healing virtue of God. Call it in. Stop saying I'm sick. Begin to say I'm the healed of the Lord. Stop talking about the sickness when you do. You're lying to yourself and lying to the devil. And God didn't tell you to do that. He told you to declare the blessing of God. I am not the sick begging God to be healed. I'm the healed of the Lord, commanding Satan to take sickness and disease back to hell where it belongs in the name of Jesus. I speak to your calling. I speak to what God has told you to do. I speak to where God has sent you to be. And I call forth the provision. I call forth the vision and the provision. I call forth anything and everything you have need of to come to you. I speak to jobs. I speak to callings. I speak to wherever it is that your feet walk. And I say, take Take the territory, take the territory, take the territory. Where you plant your feet, you prosper. Where you plant your feet, you prosper. Where you plant your feet, you prosper. Prosper in your thinking. Prosper in your believing. Prosper in your speaking. Prosper in your finances. Prosper in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Prosper in your physical body. Let the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead Take your situation and bring it alive in the name of Jesus. Now begin to thank God for it. Begin to do the talking. Talk to your finances. Talk to your angels. Talk to sickness and disease. Talk loud to it. How loud has it been talking to you? Talk back and command it to be released and to be out of your life forever. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Talk to it. Has it been talking ugly to you? Talk faith to it. 
If it's been talking ugly to you, talk back. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, the one who hung on the cross, so that the blessing of Abraham will come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, begin to tell your blessing, come on, come to mama, come to papa, come to me, come now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Just pr- close it out in prayer, if you don't mind. Lift your hands under the Lord. Father, on this resurrection day, give you praise and honor and glory for what you did. And Lord, you're still doing it. You're doing it in our lives every day. You're doing it now. You're doing it today. And we receive it by faith. We call that which is not as though it is. We do not go into agreement with the devil's lies, but instead we go into agreement with the Word of God. We call ourselves the healed of the Lord. We call ourselves the blessed of the Lord. We call ourselves the prospering of the Lord. We call ourselves the fulfilled of the Lord. We call ourselves the whole of the Lord. W-H-O-L-E. We thank you and we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory and we declare that today we shall not be the same again. We shall not be as we came in. We shall be now as we go out. In Jesus' name. And begin to say this. Ha. Ha ha. Devil. Ha 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 devil. You see when we use our words and we use our mouth and we use our laughter and we use our joy it automatically breaks the back of the devil's power. And one thing I had lost was my ability to say, ha, ha, ha. And so I would sit in my room and I would just say, ha. I felt like that was a good start. And when I would be diagnosed with something, ha, ha. And when the devil tried to stop, so far every trip I've tried to take to preach, then I would go straight to, ha, ha, ha. And I want you to start telling the devil, ha, ha, ha. When you hear something, ha, ha, ha. And I've been told, you're in denial. Yes, I am. I deny Satan the power to have my mind, my will, and my emotions. I had one person say to me, you're in mind control. Yes, I am. I'm taking control of my mind because that's part of my soul. And when I take control of it, the devil can't. So I take control of my joy. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 devil. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You cannot take my joy. You cannot take my laughter. You cannot fulfill me with nothing but sorrow and depression. I refuse to give you my joy. It's mine and you can't take it. I will not take your depression and you will not take my joy. Let's make a deal, Satan. I will not take your depression and you will not take my joy. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrayministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Defray Ministries.